Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 50 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, for the 50th episode, I knew that we needed to have a big guest, a special guest. And here in Ring of Honor, it doesn't get any bigger than the COO of Ring of Honor, Mr. Joe Koff. Joe, welcome to the show, and, and thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule today. I appreciate that, Kevin, and thank you for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure, and the fact that we're in our 50th podcast is just uh, so satisfying and fulfilling for me. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's, like I said, it's, it's my pleasure to have you on. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. To, I can't believe we're on episode 50 already. It's kind of flown by. Uh, but I want to talk about, obviously, you know, we just celebrated, uh, Ring of Honor just celebrated our 19th anniversary with an incredible pay-per-view. I think anyone, if you've seen it, you probably loved it. If you haven't seen it, you can still watch it on Honor Club. I think that you will, uh, you will definitely like what you saw. Uh, and I got to ask you to just talk to me a little bit about maybe the sense of pride that you have that Ring of Honor has been around for 19 years and we're able to just celebrate our 19th anniversary. Yeah, it's especially satisfying this year because um, as, as you and the fans know, um, we canceled our 18th anniversary show a little bit more than a year ago. And um, with the, the onset of the pandemic. So um, this is especially a special show for us because um, we haven't really put one on for two years now. So, um, you know, as far as this being our 19th, it's my, it's my ninth as, a, as, as part of Ring of Honor. Um, but when you look back at the history going back to its full 19 years, it's really clear to see for any wrestling fan um, what place Ring of Honor has in the pantheon of the sport. It's really been a major contributor of not only developing champions across all platforms, but it still provides, if you look at, if you look at our first show or the first anniversary show, you're gonna see the same level of intensity, athleticism, integrity, pride, passion, that really is what Ring of Honor is all about. No question about it. And I think when we look back at Ring of Honor's history, you know, Ring of Honor was really born uh, in 2002 out of the need for an alternative. Uh, ECW and WCW had gone out of business. There was only one major company at that point. It was WWE. Uh, we started around that time. Impact started around, or TNA at that point started. Both, as, as I said, as, as sort of, you know, trying to fill a void that was left by the, uh, the closing of shop of WCW and ECW. But I think if you look at uh, what Ring of Honor was in 2002, and now here we are in 2021, and we are still, I would say, the alternative that, especially now with what we've done since uh, our reboot, for lack of a better word, I think Ring of Honor really is the alternative to everything else that's out there as far as a presentation, uh, on a, a philosophy. Uh, would you agree with that? I, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying, Kevin, and I, I think that we've always offered a different kind of product. Um, you know, when I, when I hear the word alternative, I sometimes feel like it's, it's like settling for second or settling for something that 
wasn't really the original product. So I, I, I have a tendency to hear that word and not really feel that. What I think you're saying, and I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it's certainly something that I have felt about Ring of Honor was, was its authenticity. Yeah. And I think if anything, we were the, the authentic wrestling promotion. Our wrestling is real. Our honor is real. The stars and the, the, the way they go about their craft, and I use different words than you might hear from other promotions, because I hold it in that kind of esteem. Um, our athletes are athletes. Um, they are conditioned. They take care of themselves. They care about what they do. They care about how they are seen. And, you know, for me, they're, they're serious athletes. And I, I don't feel that's alternative. I feel that's authentic. No question about that. And I, and I appreciate you clarifying because, yes, when I use the word alternative, um, I don't mean it as alternative to uh, the number one or that we're the second best or anything like that. Alternative, the way I use the word is just, it's different. And, and people can look at it as different and better or different, you know, not, I mean, everybody has their own. Uh, Absolutely. And totally, totally agree with that, by the way. I, you know, to me, it's, it's a semantic, it's, it's semantic. You know, when I, I just, I just like the word authentic and I think you're right. We, we, we dare to be different. And I think that's why we are great because we also dare to be great at what we present. I know that you are also, in, a, in addition to being the COO of the company, you are also a fan and you've been a fan of this business for a long time. So I wanna ask you a question as a fan, not necessarily as you know, someone who has a high position in the company, but just as a wrestling fan, what are your thoughts in general on uh, the new approach that we've taken? Um, out of necessity, you know, we've had to be careful in how we do shows because of the pandemic. But it really presented us, I think, with an opportunity to do something entirely different that looks different than everything else out there with the empty arena, with the focus again on pure wrestling. As a wrestling fan, how do you feel about it? I, I'm thrilled with it. I, I couldn't, you know, we go back to what you said at the beginning about this being our 50th podcast. You know, the pandemic and COVID and, and, and being home and not being able to, to have fans in the arena until most recently, and we still haven't gone there yet because we wrestle in Maryland and, and they have just recently, you know, suggested some different guidelines for fans. It kind of forces you to look at, at who you are, what you are, and how to adapt. And one of the things that I loved about Ring of Honor, not only as a fan, and I really became a fan when we were interested, when Sinclair Broadcast Group was interested in purchasing a wrestling company, to be quite honest, prior to that, I had only read about it occasionally. I really wasn't that familiar with it until I, was, I went to my first event and I met with Carrie Silken. And I just said, this is what I've been looking for. This is the wrestling I grew up with that I always loved. These were the kind of matches that resonated with me from the very beginning. It was, the, it was the artistry again, and I, I'm using these terms and I don't mean to be redundant, but you know, that's who we are. Um, when I can go back to my youth and, 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 and going back into the old Madison Square Garden and seeing some of the competitors then and the athletes then, they very much would have been Ring of Honor wrestlers at that time because they had a different skill set. They were able to go to the distance. They were well conditioned. They took care of themselves. They were not cartoons. They were real, real people doing a real, real sport. 
and Ring of Honor has always been that to me. And, you know, over the ages, and I've watched all the matches, of course, because of our incredible archive of material, which was also very helpful through the pandemic for us to be able to create original hours every week, week in and week out, coming up with podcasts with original content week in and week out, and all of the other things, our superb marketing department put together for weekly presentations that were not physicality, but really about who we are and a really good glimpse into us personally. And that excited me, Kevin. And, and again, so as a fan, I've always been looking for Ring of Honor. I finally found it. And you know what? It's like everything else. It was right there. I just didn't see it. I traveled a lot at that point in my life, saw a lot of different wrestling, you know, mostly WWE at that time because it was the national promotion. Of course, I always loved the WCW because it had an NWA roots, which I really liked. Um, when I went to school in Florida, that was an NWA wrestling territory championship wrestling from Florida, which was by far the ring of honor of the NWA. So I've always gravitated back to this style, to this interaction, to this fan engagement, and it just was a natural fit. Well, you mentioned uh, fan engagement, and that is definitely something I want to touch on a little bit later. But first, I want to talk to you about the pandemic, since we, you know, we're on that subject matter of the reboot and everything else. We saw a lot of, you know, nobody knew what to do. When, 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 I mean, that, that, not just pro wrestling, but in everything. Other sports, other entertainment uh, avenues. No one knew exactly what this new world was going to be. ROH made the decision to sort of, okay, let's kind of take a second and assess the landscape and figure out what we're going to do and when we can do shows and when we can do them safely. Uh, every wrestling company took a different approach. Uh, no one's saying what's right, what's wrong. We did what we felt was best uh, for Ring of Honor. Um, I have to ask you, though, the, the decision to shut down. I want to go back to March a year ago. Mm -hmm. We're out in Vegas. We had uh, 18th anniversary ready to go. We were going to do a show the next night called Past Versus Present, which I think a lot of people were excited about. Um, some talent was there. Some was still home, not ready. They hadn't left yet. Some were en route. And the decision was made to call off the shows. How involved were you in that decision-making process at that point? And what really, what was the final decision? Why the final decision to let's just not do this? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna answer that, the last part of that, Kevin, first. Okay. And then I will give you that week in, 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 in retrospect. The final decision was easy because it was apparent to me that this was gonna be something serious. And we have so many people from all different places in the country. I wanted to make sure that they were able to be where they wanted to be and to be home where they needed to be. I had people that were working for us, including yourself and other people who were at their show. Their safety, their well-being is so much more important to me at that moment than putting on a show. Um, you know, wrestling, wrestling to me became inconsequential to what was going on in the world. And it was at the very beginning, Kevin, I was in New Orleans earlier that week at a meeting and I went home on Wednesday and then was planning to fly out on Friday for the shows. And on, Wednesday, on Tuesday night in New Orleans, they had a press conference and said, the first person in New Orleans has been identified with COVID. And now it, it's been, been talked about for a week prior to that. But this was real, and the person that 
that was identified was staying at my hotel, wow. my hotel in New Orleans, not when I was there prior to when I arrived. But there was so much, not misinformation, there was just no knowledge of what was really going on. Plus, we were experiencing this in real time. Right. In real time. Every day there was something happening in real time that was affecting real people. So when I got back to Baltimore from New Orleans, I called up the hospital, told them what I was, you know, what I had experienced. I wasn't experiencing any symptoms. I really didn't believe I was going to get it off the back of a chair if he happened to be in that random chair that I was sitting at. But the hospital said to me, look, unless you're exhibiting system, uh, symptoms, do not come in. But we also ask you not to leave your house, to self-isolate, to wear masks, and not to travel. Well, so I was already on that Wednesday night taken out of going to Las Vegas. But I was on the phone with Greg and, and my senior team, out, Greg Yellowland, um, out in Las Vegas. And I was, I was saying, you know, Greg, I, I don't like the way this feels. Um, there's too much uncertainty and there's too much risk to having people stuck if this escalates the way it seems to be escalating. So we kind of made that decision that Wednesday night. I think we slept on it and then Thursday morning pulled the plug on the show. I, again, why? I, don't, I didn't want to jeopardize the fans and I love my fans and the Las Vegas fans are fantastic and we sold lots of tickets to that show. I believe they were sell, sold out pretty close to it and it would have been just from the, the transients of, of Las Vegas. I just couldn't put people at risk, Kevin. It just, it, it just went, went against every grain. And I'm a business person and I'm a capitalist and I, I believe in all of those things. But safety first, responsibility first. So was it a tough decision? It really wasn't. It wasn't because it was the right decision. I don't second guess myself. And as I turned out, you know, the NBA canceled the next day, sports were canceling left and right. And then of course, as we go through time, and again, we have lived through this every single day. Every day isn't Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Every day was just day. But we were, we were learning and we had pandemics learning and we were pivoting and Ring of Honor pivoted in a way that was so, so satisfying. We were able to immediately continue to produce live product again. Why? The robustness, the depth of who Ring of Honor is as a company, as an organization, as a part of the sport. We could put together all kinds of programs that were engaging, interesting, especially to wrestling fans, whether you are a current wrestling fan or a past wrestling fan. So we were able to do that brilliantly. And then again, all of the marketing things like this podcast, the Monday night viewing parties, all of the things, the games, everything we were doing via social media forced us to keep our, our presence relevant, to keep our presence present. And we figured out a way to do it really, really quick. I'm really, really proud of the organization and how we responded so quickly. And really what's grown out of it has been fantastic. I think. The television product is, to me, is, 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 is the best it's ever been. Ever since we came back with the pure, and we had the time, Kevin. We had the time to think about what we were doing. How do we want to present this? We didn't go, we just didn't keep going in the same direction because we were able to have a natural reset. And I think we took great advantage of it. So I hope that answers that question about that, that moment in that week.
Oh, it definitely does. And look, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a cliche to say, well, let's turn a negative into a positive. But in this case, the cliche is true because we were dealt that hand uh, like everybody was with having to deal suddenly with a global pandemic. So what do you do? Well, if we can't run live events, you know, to your point, we still have to have product. We have to engage with fans. So what do we do? And I'll just give you an example of this podcast. A podcast had been talked about. It was an idea we kind of threw around in meetings and, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but, you know, we've always got the next thing to do. There's always something pressing. So we'll table that till later. Well, this gave us the opportunity to not table it till later, to do it now. And as you mentioned, with our great marketing team, other things that we could do. And our talent really stepped up because now they're not on TV every week anymore. Uh, They're going to have to engage differently. And so they took the bull by the horns, not to you know, steal a line from our world champion, Roosh, but they got a chance to uh, you know, promote themselves and the company uh, on social media to engage with fans that way. RRH week by week, uh, which is very popular on YouTube, was born out of the necessity to create content during the pandemic. And now that we're coming out of it and we're on the other side, we now have all these other elements that started as a result of needing to create content, now it's here and now it'll continue. So I think looking back at it, you know, without patting ourselves on the, on the back too much, but yeah, we took a negative, turned it into a positive, had the chance to hit the reset button and, um, and came out of it, you know, better on the other side than, than maybe we were a year ago. So I think, and that's a credit to your point, to everyone involved, whether it's the talent, people behind the scenes, um, you know, everyone that's involved. But I want to ask you, though, we went five months without having a new TV show. Um, and again, you know, just looking at the landscape, other companies, a lot of them continued doing shows in various forms, um, but we didn't. Was there ever a moment, as those months are going by, was there ever a point where you're thinking, man, we, we got to get back to this sooner than later? How do we do this? What are the steps we need to take? We eventually did doing the shows in Baltimore, but how long was that in the works, if you can, if you can answer or talk about that? Well, we started talking with the Maryland State Athletic Commission immediately to find out when we would be able to really start considering and doing TV, um, you know, crowdless TV. So we, we, were, we had conversations immediately. And, I, and quite frankly, I, I really laud the state of Maryland and even the Maryland Athletic Commission in their regard to safety of the wrestlers. Um, you know, other states were a little bit more lax. And, and, and you know what? I understand that they're in business. They have their own business models and, and they have to do what they want. I respect every promotion or every business for operating the way they want to operate. You know, for me, Kevin, it was all about safety and responsibility. And what I felt, and alongside of Governor Hogan, who's the, our, our governor of Maryland and the Maryland State Athletic Commission, we all felt that when it would be the right time, then we would be able to explore that. And our bubble has probably been written about and spoken about in the same vein as major, major professional sporting leagues that have created these bubbles. Our bubble has been great. The guys have been great. And, and I really believe, and, and I, I speak to some of, the, some of our talent and some of our, our, our athletes and stars, I think they really appreciate how we handled this. Um, and you know what? We handled this corporately as well, the same way in our parent corporation, Sinclair Broadcast Group. Um, I, I'm, proud. I, I'm, I'm proud of the way we took on the responsibility to do the right thing for the people. 
Um, and, and, and that's really, really important. And I, I, I'm really proud of that. Well, and I'm going to piggyback off of that because when you talk about doing the right thing, it's not just ensuring uh, everyone's safety, which obviously that is the right thing to do, but it's also taking care of people in the sense that, look, a lot of people lost jobs uh, during this pandemic. I mean, that's no secret across, I'm not just talking about the wrestling business. I'm talking about, you know, the, uh, across all businesses. I mean, people had to downsize. We saw restaurants close that had been open for years and years and years. Ring of Honor, and this is, you know, again, I know we don't want to, you don't want to pat yourself on the back, whatever, too much, but really this is worth saying, and a lot of the talent that's been on the podcast with me, we've all talked about this, that Ring of Honor, no one got laid off. Um, Everyone continued to get paid, whether it was talent, whether it was employees, and even, you know, look, there's some talent like Kellyanne, who's from Australia, who we signed and we were excited about, and she was going to be in the Quest for Gold Women's Tournament. Well, because of the pandemic, that was going to take place in April. Of course, that never happened. She never got to appear uh, in Ring of Honor, yet she's still under contract with with Ring of Honor. Um, I think that's an awesome thing. You know, all of our people that are overseas and can't travel, uh, that can't work at these TV tapings, are still under contract and in many cases have re-signed for more time with, with Ring of Honor people who were working per appearance for special shows like uh, past versus present, even though that show didn't take place, got paid for their appearance. So I just, can you just talk about that decision there to really do the right thing by, by everyone involved? You know, again, I, I, there doesn't need to be a lot said because that's just the way we operated and we operate currently. You know, we, we take each day, one day at a time. We take each month, one month at a time. Um, you know, again, I, I work for a company. I'm part of a company. I don't know about I'm part of it. It's part of working for it. I'm part of it. That has really been very, very good in that regard. Um, and as long as, as long as we can keep our people employed and working, um, or at least contracted, that will always be our goal. Um, and, uh, I stand by it. I'm proud of it. But you know, again, that's, we, we're, we're doing this, Kevin, like on a month to month basis. Did you ever think you were going to do 50 podcasts without live wrestling in front of crowds when you started this? No, probably not because we didn't know we're right. We're writing as we go along. And, and as long, as long as we can do what we need to do, we're going to do it. And I'm happy to say that because it's responsible. Well, and I think the other point that needs to be brought up, too, is that Baltimore, as, as most people know, Baltimore is our home base uh, for Ring of Honor. Uh, but there are, there are other places we could have done these TV tapings. Not, you know, not going to mention any. Obviously, there's uh, plenty of other cities who weren't quite as stringent and didn't have an athletic commission that's as strict as the Maryland State Athletic Commission. So if, it if we were looking to go uh, to make things easier or uh, you know, less strict, we could have done that. But the decision instead was made to do it in Maryland, work with the State Athletic Commission under the strictest of protocols. I think it's, it's fair to say no other wrestling company comes anywhere close to what we were doing with being tested three times, I think, you know, with a week before and then again before the show and then at the show, being put in a bubble. Uh, so it really was done I mean, we could have done it the easy way, but we decided to do it the hard way because, as you said, it was, it was the right thing to do. Um, 
But let me ask you, looking forward, because things are starting to open up. We see that not only in Maryland, but all over the country. Um, have you come to any decisions as far as what the next round of TV tapings will be like? Will the protocols be as strict? Will we be able to have fans anytime soon, if you can speak on that? Look, I'm hoping that there will be an easing of the protocols because as more people become vaccinated, it becomes less of a spreading, a, a spreading issue. So I think with time, as we, as we go along the calendar with time, there will be, unless everything just reverts back to the chaos, and um, I, I expect there to be an, a natural easing and lessening of, of, of protocols because it's not gonna be as necessary because we have it more under control. Um, this just began, I mean, we just got notification a week ago that, you know, Maryland is kind of open. And, and, and I really believe a lot of that had to do with Major League Baseball starting to play and things like that. So I think we'll talk about it, we'll think about it, and we'll strategize about it, about what's the best way to do it. And I'm sure that over the course of the year, we will get to that point. But one of the things I have enjoyed very much about um, the way we have produced our television is that without crowds, it's almost been spoilerless for the most part. And quite frankly, as a fan, Kevin, who really, and I have not been at an event myself due to my age and due to, due to you know, the situation, I get to watch it like a fan does sitting at home for the first time. I do not know the results. I do, I, I never know the results if I'm not there because that's important to me. I want to have the experience. Ring of Honor is very, very experiential, as you well know. We really care about the experience that our fans are having, no matter how they touch the product. Well, it was that experience of going to my first Ring of Honor live show, where I saw that spontaneous eruption of the fans, because they were so overwhelmed by the excellence that they were seeing in the ring, I like that. I love that. It still exists. I, if I miss one thing about live, Kevin, it's that moment when the fans' expectations are met and exceeded, and they reward the wrestlers with that chanting. I miss that terribly. Yeah. Um, it's one of the few things that I've seen in sport that's really realistic and really in the moment, and um, it's what drew me to the company. So I would like to have that back. But I also like the fact that people who get to see it get to see it like I get to see it. And I have so much respect for our talent because they understand how important that is to the fan, to, to let them see it for the first time and experience it all together in the same way. So we'll have to think about that. That's going to be one of the, I think, opportunities we have to explore is how do we maintain that? while also bringing back fans to the events. Right, right, absolutely. All right, well, we're gonna take our first break. We've still got a lot more to talk about with the ROH COO, Joe Koff, right after this. 
This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry here, to tell you about shophonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, shophonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. This is episode 50. We are 50 episodes in. Special guest today is the Ring of Honor COO, Joe Koff. We talked a little bit, Joe, uh, in our first segment about fan engagement. And Ring of Honor, this is really something that Ring of Honor has always done. Um, I think above and beyond other wrestling companies is, is engage with the fans, whether it's the reaction uh as you mentioned the at the live events uh the meet and greets where you can you can meet the ring of honor stars at the live events get pictures taken get autographs all that stuff but we've really kind of taken fan engagement to an even higher level recently with the initiative of the roh the experience uh which i would uh encourage everyone if you haven't checked it out yet it's, uh, it's a uh, Facebook page, ROH The Experience, where you become a member, become part of a, uh, uh, a smaller group uh, that is growing, though, of, of Ring of Honor fans, where you can tell us what you want to see. And uh, people that have been there so far uh, to this point know that we're listening. And a direct result of what fans are saying they want to see is happening on Ring of Honor television. So, Joe, could you just talk a little bit about that, the Experience uh, Fan Initiative that we're, that we're doing? Yeah, I mean, the Experience Fan Initiative, which we're now doing with the, Facebook, with the Facebook group, of course, really has been going on in Ring of Honor since I've been here, where we've actually had shows where we have polled the fans, either through Honor Club or through other social media, as to what kind of matches they would want to see. Um, it's, it's not a new concept, but... It came because of this engagement. Our fans really, really care about our product. And they also like being able to have a say about our product. You know, accessibility is something that I, I'm, I'm really big on as far as when I'm at the arena, I am in the arena. I am not at the arena. I am in the arena. I am in the stands. I talk to fans. I'm behind the merch table. I'm talking to the moms. I see a young child. It touches me that they're there. I want to do something special for them, even though my office just would wish I would do probably a little bit less of that. But the, the point is, is that the, without the fans, we are nothing. And not giving them the opportunity to really explore what they would like to see, I think we have an obligation to at least listen and by the way, some of the ideas and some of the thoughts we've gotten from our fans or just, you know, suggestions from our fans, we've actually put into practice because they're seeing it from a different lens. 
And sometimes that lens has a greater view at the time than, than ours does because we're so focused on that show or we're focused on this arc or we're focused on this story and how it's going to end and all that. Well, the fan is really there going, you know, why didn't you try this? Or did you ever consider using this person as that? And it, it's refreshing, Kevin. It's, 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 an, it's refreshing. It's invigorating. It's, it's enlightening. And that's who Ring of Honor has always been. I mean, Carrie Silkin, and I go back to Carrie because Carrie was the prior owner to Ring of Honor. I mean, he, he's known and he's known and he's liked because he cared also what the fan thought. And, you know, you, it's just hard to diss a company that cares, that, that cares so much about what their, care, that what their fans care about. So I love the engagement process. And, you know, whether, whether we're engaging with our own talent or we're engaging with our fans, with our vendors, I welcome that, that additional thinking. It's very, very healthy. Well, and, and I'll say this too, having, uh, you know, worked in, in some different places, uh, one place in particular, it was very much uh, a thought when, when it came to creative, there was very much a thought of we'll give the fans what we tell them. They'll want what we tell them they want. And, um, you know, there was some lip service as to we're listening to you. We listen to the fans, but behind the scenes, it was no, uh, we're going to, we're going to, this is what you're going to get and you're going to like it kind of thing. Well. Um, it's obviously working for the, for those organizations that do that. I don't want to take anything away from yeah. that. But again, you know, it goes back to it goes back to something we talked about in the last in in, in the last uh, section of, of of the podcast. It's it's again, is it sports entertainment or is it an entertaining sport? And that's where that's where you draw the line. We're an entertaining sport. We consider ourselves a sport. We treat ourselves as a sport. Our athletes consider themselves, our wrestlers consider themselves as athletes. And I think that whatever the business proposition or the business model is, I take it away from nobody. Those, that other promotion that you're talking about, they've done an unbelievable job for not only the industry, but for their shareholders, for their investors, for everybody. I, I'm not going to take away, but they're also 50 years old, Kevin. Right. We're celebrating our 19th anniversary. We're a teenager still. We're coming out of that teenage years. And I don't have to tell you, you know what teenage years are like. They, you go through a gamut of just all kinds of hormonal changes <laughs> as a teenager. And we're coming out at, out of it into it. Into we're maturing. We're right. maturing into that young adult, still a teen, still a little rebellious. Let's just do our thing. As opposed to being a 50-year-old adult. You just behave differently. Right. But and look, I would like to believe, and, and all comparisons are always to what they are now. I remember what they were then. And even though they were a command, much, you know, a command and controlled promotion, they, they, they were good. They were good. But, you know, size and where you become and how you get caught up in all that, and I don't say that negatively at all, it impacts the way you have to think. Sure. Because it's no longer just appealing to the fan. It's appealing to corporate this. It's appealing to corporate that. And that part, that comes with growing. And we'll get there. I, I don't know that we'll, we'll never get to that place because we're not that kind of a promotion. Yeah. But as we mature, you're going to just see, again, different transformations, hopefully positive, but with the core being preserved at all time. The Ring of Honor core has been preserved. 
we've stimulated all kinds of progress. We've stimulated our talent. We've gone out internationally. We've done all those things. But at the end of the day, when fans come to see Ring of Honor wrestle, they know what to expect in the ring. And that, that has always been preserved. No question about it. And uh, look, I'll just say this too. And we can, I mean, we don't beat around the bush on this podcast. Obviously, we're talking about WWE. And yes, they have been very successful. Obviously, they're the industry leader and they have been for a long time. Uh, I was speaking strictly from a, from a creative standpoint. Again, there was a sense of, we're not going to necessarily listen. We're going to tell you what you want. But they would ultimately sometimes have to listen. When, the, when the, uh, there was pushback and the overwhelming uh, opinion was, you should do this whether it meant giving a guy like Daniel Bryan, who obviously was Bryan Danielson for Ring of Honor. Uh, that, was, that happened because the fans demanded it, and they had no choice but to give the fans what they wanted. It was not their first choice to do that. Whereas yeah, in Ring of Honor, they, they, we're listening. Yeah, you know what? They, they had a choice, Kevin. Let's not lose sight of that. They were, ab- they were able to give that to the fans and give that moment for him. And he's a fantastic performer and just a historical ring of honor talent but they were able to do it because they can do it right and it was the right thing to do um and you know with three shows touring and all of the stuff they do they they have a little bit more latitude to 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 isolate a star like that give them a moment and that they deserve believe me that they deserve and showcase that um as a business and and as a as a, as a leader in the industry, I, I have only respect for them. I really do. Um, anyone that can do what they do, and, and, and this goes for other promotions that are promoting weekly and stuff like that, and on TV weekly, doing weekly television that's live every week. It's, it's hard work. And, you know, let's give them their due. No question about that. And um, I think that's, that's the thing I think with Ring of Honor is I know a lot of times people want to see the, you know, there's this idea that we're all competing against each other in a sense. Um, and I guess in a, in a sense, maybe we are competing for the consumer's dollar. But I think with Ring of Honor, the best thing that we can do and that we're pretty much doing is like if the other people want to fight it out and go head to head on certain nights or whatever, that's fine. Like we're going to do our thing. And if you like, there's no reason why you can't like, you know, chocolate and vanilla. You can like more than one flavor of pro wrestling. And we're going to do our thing and be who we are. And, you know, if you like that, that's great. Come aboard. There's plenty of room for you. And I think that's, that's the philosophy. Um, Let me ask you though, just about the ring of honor fan, because I think there's something unique there where, and it kind of reminds me of uh, ECW back in the day that the fan takes ownership of the promotion that we're on, like your favorite wrestlers are going to come and go, but you're always on, you were always on team ECW. And I feel like that's a similar situation to what we have in ring of honor. It's like people who have a favorite sports team. Okay. Like I love the Baltimore Ravens. Um, The roster has completely changed over the last few years from the team that I followed in 2012 that won the Super Bowl. There's not a player left, but they're still my favorite team. And I think that's kind of what we've sort of crafted here in, in Ring of Honor is the fans feel like Ring of Honor is their promotion. Yes, and I think that's because they, they believe in what we believe in. That's what, why people follow things, because people follow people who believe in what they believe in. 
when you watch our wrestling, there's no question that our talent believes in what they believe in. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's special. And we know it's special because look at all of the talent that has been on a ring of, on a roster that are just champions in all other promotions. This is a foundational base. Now, what's wonderful for me, Kevin, is we have people that are starting like our dojo talent, which is amazing. I mean, um, I, I, you know, I'm always a little cautious about naming names because when I see people I don't name, they go, oh, you don't like me anymore. And that's hardly the truth. But, you know, I've watched the development of our dojo chat talent. Um, I mean, Dak Draper, um, who, had, who, who is going to have and had, as this podcast has aired, the biggest match of his life in the Pure Championship. He's amazing. Yeah. Quinn McKay, Quinn McKay is so talented and so good. SOS, they, that's what tag team wrestling is supposed to be. Brian Johnson has turned into an amazing heel, um, and he's such a good, good worker. Um, Eli Isom, I mean, I, I, I've watched Eli. I, I don't even know when he started with us, how old he was. But when you see him in the pay-per-view, or you, if, if you've seen him in the pay-per-view or on TV recently, Eli is, Eli's a man. I mean, he's a well-chiseled, Man, that's our dojo talent. They're so exciting and they're just developing. And I love that part. And you know, Ring of Honor's always had people like that through that have grown like that. We can name names. I don't we we can if you want, Kevin, but you know, when you when you think of people like an Adam Cole or you, you think of, you know, Kyle O'Reilly and you think of people like that that really are in these similar positions. Ring of Honor is now a home. It may not have been a home 10 years ago or eight years ago or seven years ago. But it can be a home and a good home for any wrestler who wants to, 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 to be there for their families, for their sake, for their artistry, for everything they want. Well, and that's such an important point because, I, as, you know, as we talked about, over the years, the talent comes and goes. And that happens in, uh, in every promotion. You know, I think it's actually good. I think sometimes people need a change of scenery or, you know, that's the way it was in the old territory days. People didn't hang around forever. Uh, it was how they kept fresh. You would go somewhere else and, and, and then maybe you could come back to the, to the other territory. But, you know, with Ring of Honor, we, you know, we saw a lot of people leave and go and become stars in WWE or wherever. Um, but what I, what I see now is more and more people are making Ring of Honor their destination or their promotion of choice when they have other opportunities. Absolutely. We've seen it recently with so many of our talent mm -hmm. re-signing. Um, look, Roosh and Dragon Lee, you don't, you, know, you don't think they could work <laughs> wherever they want. Uh, Bandito was highly coveted by everyone mm -hmm. in the business and signed with Ring of Honor. And, and that's what you're seeing now is, is talent is saying, this is where I want to be. I, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily everyone's dream anymore. Um, and there's nothing wrong if it is your dream to go, uh, you know, main event WrestleMania. But I don't think that's the goal of every talent anymore. Um, it, it is for some talent. And, and again, but, you know, look, Kevin, you've, you've worked in a lot of places and you've probably moved to one job to another job because it was an opportunity for you to step up on your resume and step up in your career and step up in your profile. We've all done it. I've done it myself. 
I can never fault anybody who wants to do that because they think it's better for themselves, their families, their careers. Can't stop that. Um, but you know, the one thing that Ring of Honor has become, and it is a home, and I look at, I look at someone like EC3 who came to Ring of Honor um, and they have that match with Jay Briscoe. He, we weren't able to do it. That's, that was, again, a COVID thing, you know, we, again, safety and everything. But I mean, for, for talent like EC3, to, to choose to be in Ring of Honor is very, very complimentary. It's a little humbling for me as well, because as you said, a, a, you know, a, 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 an athlete, a professional like him had lots of choices. Yeah. But you also mentioned something earlier about how they're treated, how wrestlers and people are treated in Ring of Honor. And you know what? There's something special about that. And if that's a value that, that you take as important to you, well, then we provide that value. If it's all about money or whatever it is that that's triggering your 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 anxiousness or your move or your you know you know you you're, you you need to go. Well, that's fine too. But you know, before we could never we could never offer that kind of a workspace. And over the last five six years, really under Greg Gilliland's tutelage and working with our business team and and thinking about the business, certainly the creative and all that. We're, we're, we're creating homes for people. And I'll tell you what, as you said earlier, and not me saying it, for the last 15, you know, 13 months, this has been a great home for everybody. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's what it's about. Well, and I also want to touch on what you said about the dojo, because that is such an important part of continuing to replenish the roster uh, when people do move on. Or what we've seen recently is not necessarily replenishing, but just adding to and growing the roster. I mean, I would say from top to bottom right now, when you look back at the history of Ring of Honor, there was so many talented individuals. And like you said, we could, you know, name them all. Everyone knows who they are. But for a point in time where you look at the entire roster from top to bottom, I think it's safe to say there's never been this much talent in Ring of Honor at one time, as far as uh, quantity. There's always been quality, and the quality's still there, but now there's quantity, where it's just, it's just top to bottom, you know. And, and you throw a guy like Eli Isom in there, an SOS, you know, straight out of the dojo, and, and, and add them to all the veterans and everyone else that we have. It, it's, it's, it really is an amazing mix of talent. And what I've said many times on this podcast is, and again, people may think it sounds corny or cliche, but again, having worked other places, you don't always necessarily see um, the team first mentality that I see with this talent. And obviously everyone has, every performer has an ego and has a desire to be the best. But what I've witnessed with this group is they don't have to succeed necessarily at the detriment or they don't have to step on anyone else in the locker room to get to where they want to be, that they understand that it's all about the product and putting on the best show possible. And everyone flourishes when you do that. And I think, again, that's, that's a testament to, uh, to the front office also who, who signs and, and recruits this talent and has created this uh, incredible locker room. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said a couple of things. I just made a couple of notes because I wanted to make sure I touched on them. We probably could do a podcast, Kevin, on all of the wrestlers that have wrestled in Ring of Honor over time. Because I'm not sure anyone really realizes 
what talent has come through this organization. And when you start naming names that wrestled here 2010, you know, 2002, 2003, where they are today, where they've been and where they, it would probably make an interesting show. Um, but the other thing you mentioned, and, and, and it's really about why, why this group is extraordinary. I would tell you, and I've worked in a lot of stations, and I think that the people that worked with me in Tampa and then the people that worked with me in West Palm Beach and then in Baltimore and in Greensboro, they would say that was the best times we ever had as a station. And I believe that if we looked at Ring of Honor the same way, again, times were different, business was different. I think that most of them would say it was really my most special time. And I think one of the reasons is, is the respect that the office, and I'm putting that in air quotes because we're not on video, really thinks about the talent. We are a very, very collaborative organization. Our creative, we, we kind of know the direction, but we're not telling them how to get there. We, we're telling them who's gonna get there. And we really want the stories to be told by our athletes. And we trust them to tell a great story, to feel a crowd, to read a crowd, to read a locker room, to understand their place in the company, to understand who and what they are. And that's really, really important in this. The reason why I think Ring of Honor right now is probably what you were saying. And, and again, I can go back six. I, I look at old posters because they come up on memories for me. Mm -hmm. if, you, if I looked at the talent that we've had working for us, even in the time that Sinclair has owned Ring of Honor, I, 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 it blows me away that they've been part of our world and we have impacted them because whenever they go, wherever they go, they take Ring of Honor with them. So they're almost like our legacy out there doing what Ring of Honor is all about. They're doing it in the confines of how they work and where they work. But when you see their pure work, Kevin, you're watching Ring of Honor and I see it in all of them. And it makes me smile and it makes me proud and makes me thankful that they were part of the promotion for when they were. But I do know this, in 10 years since we've owned the company, I've seen huge names leave this company, huge names. And, and God bless them, they've gone down to great things which they deserve. I think Ring of Honor right now is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, I would not, I would not disagree with you. What, what we've built, I think, the, especially these past couple of years, really, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to point back to the end of, this is sort of a, when I think we, um, I'll use the word replenished. It was at the end of 2018. There were some big names who left to go on to two other things. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to, at that point, okay, well, what are we going to do? I mean, we're not just going to, oh, well, I guess we'll just close up shop now. No, that opened up an opportunity, not only for the other people that were still around on the roster, lots of talented people, you know, looking for their opportunity. Now some, some spots opened up, but we immediately went out and brought in guys like PCO, and uh, Mark Haskins, and uh, Brody King, uh, Bandito, Tracy Williams came in at that point. And immediately, you had these fresh faces that immediately made the product feel fresh again, for lack of a better word. And it wasn't about so much who left or who isn't here. It's about, hey, this is who's here now. And I feel like from that moment, we've just continued to build with, you know, Roosh and Dragon Lee coming in and everyone else uh, to the point where we're at now. Like I said, it's almost... Um, you know, it's like an embarrassment of riches when you look at this roster 
I would put it up against any roster in, in the industry. And uh, again, not just saying that because obviously this is the ROH strong podcast, but you know, I think if I, if, if I did look, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't say it. And I'd find another way to put us over, but I say it confidently um, that this, it's as good as any, as anything out there. I think one of the things that makes an organization great is resilience. Yeah. And, and, and the ability to react and to respond quickly in a positive, constructive, purposeful way. And Ring of Honor has been so resilient over its lifetime, over its lifetime. And I think it's because we have a good moral compass and a really good sports compass of who we are and what we want to be and how we want to be. And we there's plenty of people that have been through Ring of Honor that really it wasn't for them. And you know what? I'm glad they found that out because who wants to work anywhere where they're not happy? I wouldn't want that for anybody. But there's just a certain thing about Ring of Honor. And, you know, the business is the business. Look, major league ball teams, whether you're basketball or football or baseball, you lose your top stars all the time. Right. And teams don't go out of business and they don't go, oh, my God, what's going to happen? They replace because they have, a, they have a system and their system has some depth. Some systems are deeper. Or you go out and you purchase some talent. But, you know, the thing that's been amazing, and I, I give credit to, again, to this organization, I will speak of it as a brand, the Ring of Honor brand and what it stands for and what it represents. We have brought in almost everyone who conforms and understands and loves to be part of this. That's helpful. We've had very, you, you mentioned about the locker room, and that's kind of a, nobody really talks about the locker room and, 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 and its behavior or how it behaves and how it exists as its own living community. Our locker room is, is so solid and it's, it's, it's because it's almost self-managed by people who have like ideals. And because of that, everyone respects the space that everyone's in. I can't even think, and, and, and maybe our creative people could point this out to me. I couldn't name one situation where I felt like that person really didn't belong. Um, and I think that says a lot. Maybe maybe we should have some of that disruption. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, you, you have to look at it that way as well. Well, let me say, the, I'll tell a quick story uh, on that note. Um, you know, I was talking to our booker about, uh, you know, and I'm not going to mention uh, the talent's name, but there was a talent who became available uh, and a very talented person, but had some baggage. And I was just, you know, like, hey, I wonder, you know, would we be interested in this guy? Like, I don't know if that would be good for the locker room. And, and, and our booker said very um, confidently, he goes, well, I don't think he'd last very long if he came here and was a problem because our locker room would weed it out. And pretty much like you just said, it's uh, the locker room kind of um, polices itself. And, because it's a community and there's community yeah. standards. And, you know, I, I didn't mention it early. We were talking about our fans or we're talking about everything about Ring of Honor. It's the community. It's our community. And when Ring of Honor fans come to our community, they become part of the community because they feel welcome, because they know what to expect. And they also respect the rules. I mean, you know, there are fans that are super fans that really help us in, in, in energizing and all that. But they are respectful of what we're doing. And I love that. 
a community that can self-govern is a very, very strong community. So. All right. Well, that's a perfect spot, I think, to take our second break. Uh, we've got more to talk about with the ROH COO, Joe Koff, right after this. Hi, I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week. All right, we are back on the RRH Strong Podcast, episode 50, special episode. We have the Ring of Honor COO Joe Kauf with us today. Uh, Joe, once again, thank you so much for uh, uh, being generous with your time. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, you as a fan. And you mentioned that you, know, you grew up in the New York area. You went to shows at the old Madison Square Garden. Um, when did you first discover pro wrestling? Like, what, what is your earliest memory of it, if, if you can remember? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember if it was, uh, I'm, I've been guessing, I'm going to guess the age range was maybe eight, nine, or 10. Um, I remember watching it with my grandmother on Saturday night. My parents were out. And um, I just, it was black and white. It was Capital Wrestling. Yep. which was the forerunner of the WWE. We were at on our, our local channel five on Saturday and Thursday nights from nine to 11. Um, there was a competitive product uh, on the air. I won't call it an alternative, but a competitive product that featured Antonino Rocca. That was on like our channel nine it was wrestling from Sunnyside gardens. It was called, but you know, it just didn't have the same feel. Um, and I just loved it. I mean, I remember at 10 or 11 years old, being up till 11 o'clock on Thursday nights, being exhausted Friday morning because I just had to watch it. I just loved it. I loved, I loved everything about it. And when my father took me to my first match, um, and I believe it might've been a Madison Square Garden match, I remember when the four ring lights went on over the ring, the building you know, dimmed their lights and these four gigantic lamps, Kevin, and they almost looked like a pawnbroker's symbol. <laughs> These four gigantic lamps lit the ring. And I just said, I love this. I mean, I just love this. And I didn't have any, I, I was so, I, I was so physically nothing. I, I was really, uh, you, you know, I would never be physical to the point that I've got to do this as a sport. Had no idea how I would ever get involved in it, but I loved it. And I loved it forever. And I never stopped watching wrestling from that day. And as I grew and went to different places, I found out that there were more territories and I started to understand the business a whole lot more. Was reading about it all the time in Ring Magazine and, and whatever the wrestling magazines were at the time. You would read about the AWA in Vern Gagne. You read about the NWA at that time in Harley Race and wrestlers like that. You'd go into Chicago and you'd, you know, Crusher Lasowski and Dick the Bruiser and out west was Freddie Blassie and, and Ray Stevens and you know, you'd read about them, but you never really got to see them because the territory system was one of the most beautifully built business systems for an industry. It was like their own little fiefdoms and it was professional wrestling. So of course it bordered on really, you know, questionable, how questionable is this? But I'll tell you what, when I started going to wrestling at Madison Square Garden, people dressed up, people paid, 
I don't think they paid a lot of money. Everything's relative there. I think the top seat might've been $5 at the time. Um, But you saw amazing, amazing people. And um, it stayed with me. And I followed wrestling throughout. I, I, I got an opportunity when I was in Tampa at my television station in Tampa. I had no idea until I got to that station, but they were the station that produced championship wrestling from Florida. That's where they, they produced the show. They edited it and got the tapes ready. And uh, someone said, would you like to meet the director? His name was Dave Togi. And I did, and I was like in heaven. I was like, a, a, you know, like almost like stage struck. Oh my God, I'm talking to Dave Togi who produces <laughs> championship wrestling from Florida. Is Gordon Soley around? You know, I want, and we started talking about wrestling and he was listening to me and how I was thinking about the business. And he said to me, you need to meet the guys who run championship wrestling from Florida, who at that time was Eddie Graham, uh, excuse me, Mike Graham, Eddie Graham's son. Eddie Graham was the, the, the former owner. Hiro Matsuda, Duke Kiyomoka. These were the bookers. I didn't even know what these terms were. And we just took a liking to each other because what they realized with me is that I wasn't making fun of the sport. I was respecting the sport. And, you know, in those days, and I'm talking about the mid eighties here, um, it was wrestling was still wrestling as it it is perceived, not to people who are listening here because you love wrestling. That's why you're on this podcast. That's why Kevin Eck is doing it. That's why our guys wrestled there. We love wrestling. We don't have to be told about this, but when wrestling people find somebody from the outside and it's a very insular business for so long, everyone says, Oh, he doesn't know anything about wrestling. He won't succeed. Oh, they don't come from wrestling. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. That's what insular people believe. And that's fine. God bless them. <laughs> anyway, we started talking and all of a sudden they were showing me talent. They said, come down to the, the building. I'll, we'll, we'll go to a taping together. One day I got a call. Can you come down here? I want you to look at this new talent we got. Tell me what you think of them. Happened to be Lex Luger at the time and Ron Simmons. Those were the two guys that were training at the time. And I looked at Lex Luger, Larry Fole, and I just looked at uh, Duke and I just said, that's a champion. You could just see it. And he was. So we got talking, talking, talking. And then all of a sudden the conversation went about Vince McMahon. And they always referred to Vince McMahon as most of the wrestling I learned referred to him as New York. That was his code name. He was New York. And they were fearful of New York because New York had grander ideas of breaking down the territories and taking it nationally. And that was very, very fearful for them because A, they were great money-making businesses for the individual franchisers, but they had really no way to compete because the only way you compete in wrestling, even to this day as we're seeing with AEW and WWE, is you have to have distribution. And distribution is over-the-air television or cable television in the case of the other two promotions. That's expensive. There were no rights fees in those days. If you wanted to be on TV, you bought the time. And if you wanted to have a national promotion, that means you had to buy the entire company, a country, which is how New York or Vince got on TBS. And that's where that began. He bought out championship wrestling from Georgia's time. And that's when he began his assault on the nation. Well, anyway, I said to these guys, why do you let this happen? Why don't we do something to at least show that if we band together, we can put together on a national scale or a regional scale, very competitive product. And that's, believe it or not, Kevin, that's how Battle of the Belts, which was the first ever live primetime wrestling in the country was ever presented in 1984. 
and it was done with championship wrestling from Florida. I think we were on 14 stations on the championship wrestling from Florida network. We were in Dallas, we were in Houston, highest ratings those markets had ever seen. And I was just a television, you know, I was the, the national sales manager at WTOG, but I was loving, loving wrestling. So remember I mentioned how, how am I ever going to get involved in this business? I'm, I'm not athletic. I don't know anything about it. Well, at that time, the guys said, you know, you guys should, you should come join us. I think you could help us. And quite frankly, my wife, my lovely wife just wasn't saying, she wasn't buying it. And she said, you're not going into wrestling. <laughs> And then, of course, I changed stations and I moved on to a, a, another market that didn't produce wrestling, but I was always a fan. And then in 2010, my fandom is, you know, my fan journey is, and, and, and involvement is growing. In 2010, when the WWE made an announcement to go off of over-the-air television and strictly on cable, I went to the chairman of our company, uh, David Smith, and I said, and he's an old independent TV guy who carried wrestling and carried WWE. As a matter of fact, I think they might have even done WWE at WBFF like they used to do championship wrestling at WTOG. And I told him the story and he says, we probably should. Um, and he gave me the wherewithal. And that's when I met Carrie through Gary Juster. And that's how Ring of Honor was born. So you know what? I was a fan that sat in, the, in, in Madison Square Garden with my dad and I didn't know how I was going to get there. And look, you know, my dad, rest his soul, um, I'm there. And, and the biggest thrill for me, and it's really one of the highlights, and maybe you were going to mention this or not, but allow me, because I heard about it on a call today. We're coming on our, I, I think it's two years ago, maybe, Kevin, is it that we played Madison Square Garden? Yes, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, it, 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 well, it couldn't have been 2019. Oh, yeah, 2019, because 2020 yeah. was the blurry year. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me to have put on a show in Madison Square Garden and have my children at it, like I was at that show in Madison Square Garden with my father on 8th Avenue, probably was as great a thrill for me and a fulfillment of not of a prophecy, of just the whole journey that that happened. And to that moment, if, I, if you, if, at that point, if you said, what was the highlight of your Ring of Honor career, it would have been that bar none. I will tell you, that since that day, it's right up there with how we've conducted ourselves in the, through this pandemic, through the year 2020. I think how, what we've done and what we've accomplished as an organization really at least is near the top of that Madison Square Garden moment for me. Wow, well, yeah, I would agree with you. Those are two certainly uh, moments that, that, that stick out and no question about that. Uh, that. That's so interesting though about the Battle of the Belts because I'm obviously very familiar with that show. And I believe there were several battle of the belt shows after that. There were three. There were three. They, right. they, ended when, they ended when I left because there was nobody else who was <laughs> passionate or cared enough about it to champion it. But wow. I will tell you what we were able to produce with that show. And then, and look, you know, I'm really proud of that because while it's not like spoken about in any kind of like reverential terms, the industry knows how, how important that show was and what it showed television can do and distribution can do. And it, it, really, it really set me on a path to understanding that for when, when I got, got to Sinclair and I had the support of this incredible company that owned tons of TV stations across the country that I was able to put this product on immediately. Kevin, do you realize uh, another highlight for me in my career? On September 24th of 2011, 
was our first airing of Ring of Honor television right. across what might have been 39 Sinclair markets, which is what we owned back in 2011. And now we're in over 80 markets, close to 90 markets and RSNs running Ring of Honor coming in, closing on maybe a better podcast for me just from a from a, an event would have been, we're coming on our 500th show in the next month or so. 500 original episodes. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah, what a journey. Gonna, I was going to bring that up. We are just a few weeks away. Yeah. Episode number 500. Yeah, it's, it's monumental. I mean, to think about, to think about that and to think, and here's what's even more monumental. Most, most, if not all of the people that are involved in it were there from the beginning. Yeah. Well, that says a lot. There's no question about that. Yeah. Well, your, your journey is fascinating. I mean, I think, you know, like you, I became a fan very young uh, and realized you know, you have that initial dream of, man, I'd love to be a wrestler. But then like you, I realized, man, eh, that's probably not in the cards. I have to be in it in some way. And for me, I always thought it would be as a writer. My dream was to be the next Bill Apter. You know, I wanted to write for the wrestling magazines. So I, like you, I wanted a, a way in that didn't involve taking bumps in the ring. Uh, but I think it's, it's so awesome that you came full circle. You know, you had that opportunity in the 80s with championship wrestling from Florida. It wasn't the right time. But then... 30 years later, I guess it was, right? That, you know, 25 years yeah, later. 84 and then 2010, whatever that delta is, right. 26 years later. 26 years later, uh, that opportunity is there. And, and here you are and the rest is history. Um, we, we've told the story before. You know, we had Gary Juster on the podcast. We've had Kerry uh, Silkin on the podcast. So we've told the story of how you guys were all introduced, Jim Cornette, uh, played a part in that, how you guys all came to the table and Sinclair ended up purchasing the company from Kerry. One of the things that I always thought was really cool was that it wasn't like Sinclair came in and said, okay, Kerry, here's this business transaction. Ring of Honor's ours now. Um, so long. Thanks. Thanks for doing business. But you really made it a point that you wanted Kerry to continue to be uh, a part of the company. Uh, can you just talk about that? Why you wanted Kerry to remain uh, well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm not talent and I'm not a face. I'm, I'm, I, I run the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my responsibility to our company is, is Ring of Honor. Um, you know, Carrie, Carrie loved the business as, as I did, but he loved it in a different way. And I could never take that away from him because to me, he will always be Ring of Honor. Um, I did him a great favor. I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. But at the same token, I never, never not wanted him to be part of it. I don't care about stuff like that, Kevin. It's unimportant to me. Um, Carrie's part of our history. And, you know, maybe if I had known other people prior, maybe I'd feel the same way, but I didn't. I came in with Carrie and uh, I always told him that he would not be chattel in my, in my world. He would always be there and he's been there for every championship match. And uh, he's been a great ambassador for us and he loves it. And, I, I, it wasn't even, it, it didn't even require a lot of thought. It was just something that was organically natural to happen. Well, and I know like you, uh, it was such a big moment for him to be able to be in Madison Square Garden for G1 Supercard, a guy who, you know, used to sell tickets on the streets of New York to events at the Garden and attend wrestling shows at the Garden. And then for the company that he once owned uh, and was still a part of to, to be there. Uh, it was just an amazing thing. And it was amazing just 
for me to be there and to watch Carrie kind of soak it all in, you know, it was such a yeah. cool. I mean, he, he entered, he, I, I didn't, I, I made no appearance at Madison Square Garden except right. in the boots and in the, in the stands. So Carrie, Carrie entered, he came in with, when we made the entrances with Ian and all that group, Carrie was right there and, and I'm happy for him that he was, he deserved it. I want to ask you, I'm going to hit a couple other quick uh, things here quickly. Uh, one of them is best on the planet. And um, I don't know if this maybe is fly the, flown under the radar a little bit, but Best on the Planet uh, is, is our 24-7 streaming service. Uh, it's available on the Stir and Plex apps. If you go to ROHWrestling.com, uh, you can link right to that, uh, ROH Best on the Planet. In many ways, uh, this seems like it's, it's uh, a game changer uh, for Ring of Honor. Uh, just as far as the availability uh you know people all the time say well I, man i love ring of honor but i you know i still hear this like how do i watch it when does it come on because you know we're not we don't have the luxury of being on every uh single night on a major uh, cable network at the same time where it's that destination programming we're on in various markets uh, of the sinclair owned channels uh but you know i also tell people there's more ways for you to watch ring of honor than really any other show because yes you can watch it in your local market just go to our website and type in your uh, zip code and you can find when it's on and where it's on. You can watch it uh, every Monday uh, with our watch along parties, or you can watch it on the website, ring of honor, ROHwrestling.com. Every uh, week, the new episode is uploaded there. You can watch it on fight. There's so many places you can watch it, but you can also watch it now on ROH best on the planet. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm really excited about that. You know, Again, it, it, it's, it's part of, of our Sinclair innovation and, and the kind of company that we are. STIR is our advertising-supported streaming channel that serves all of our local stations in their local communities, primarily with news and local sports. But it also gave us an opportunity to have our own channel. And Best of the Planet is a 24-7 Ring of Honor channel. So you can watch wrestling at any given time if you like to on a free app that you can have on your phone or certainly on your, your, your television set, your smart TVs and stuff like that. But again, Kevin, it really comes down to being able to take advantage of what's available to you as part of being part of this large organization. Um, as soon as I heard about STIR, I said, we have to have a channel. And they said, can we just get it started before we go there? And I said, of course, listen, when they announced the regional sports network, soon to be named Valley Sports, which is our, uh, our 11 regional sports networks with more channels, but around the country, we, we were on the sports networks on Friday nights at midnight, probably within, I'm going to say, a month of our, our taking over the, 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 the soon to be Valley Sports networks. So we have tremendous support from our own company because we believe that the more people can see it, the more people will enjoy it. Yes, we are a little bit challenged by the fact that we don't have a single destination. And one of the things po you know, pre-COVID was we were actually exploring that to have a, a single night and it's back on the drawing boards, but we have to, you know, we have to think about all of that again. But you know, interestingly enough, is, and I see the ratings and the, the audience figures of, my competitors and some of the other ones that have single location destinations. And while we may not be as high in, in reach as those stations, 
we are surprisingly much higher than people give us credit for. There are probably three to 400, maybe sometimes 500,000 households. So we'll consider those people 18 plus or two plus, depending on how you want to define that for broadcasting terms, that watch Ring of Honor every week. It's a big number. Yeah, that is. It, it's a big number. I mean, when you combine all of the wrestling viewing, it's, it's, it's big, it's sizable. Is it as big, you know, again, it's, it's over different channels, over different nights, but there's real viewing going on. And we go back to what we started with originally. Of all the wrestling that's presented that way, Ring of Honor is the most authentic professional wrestling presented. So you have to be, you have to really understand that and love it because you're not going to get a lot of mic work and you're not going to get a lot of big stars, you know, that are now outside of wrestling coming in. We're just wrestling. We are real wrestling. And it just, it, it, it still is the right place for us to be. Well, as the great Dusty Rhodes used to say, that's what it says on the marquee is wrestling. Correct. <laughs> and I think, you know, people shouldn't look at that as, um, you know, look, the business keeps evolving and, you know, wrestling, like anything, like any sport or any form of entertainment uh, has evolved over the years. When we say that we're wrestling, that doesn't mean that we're, you know, uh, what we used to watch on the grainy UHF channels. Uh, we're, we're still wrestling, but the 2021 version of what that is. Oh, my God. It's so sophisticated. I mean, just, just even, even the, the interaction in the matches is so much more sophisticated. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fabulous. It's just fabulous. One other thing I wanted to mention, too, when we were talking about Best on the Planet, is you could see special shows like we just did this this past weekend. We had the uh, Pure Title Tournament in its entirety, where people could, it was a three-hour special. Um, obviously, that's what we, uh, when we came back from our hiatus, it was the, pro, it was the Pure Title Tournament. Uh, it was universally loved by fans and, uh, you know, the pundits alike. And so Best on the Planet just showed the, uh, the whole tournament. So that's the kind of stuff you can uh, you could see on Best on the Planet. It's 24-7. It is Ring of Honor Wrestling 24-7. So literally any time, day or night, uh, you feel like watching some Ring of Honor, you have a place to watch it. So, again, I would encourage everybody, uh, you know, I think we're, we're, we're getting the word out. Uh, but, you know, we could always work on maybe getting it out a little bit better. Uh, best on the planet is, you know, that's your that's your place. That's your destination, I think, if you will. That and Honor Club. And, and Honor, Honor Club, Club as well. Absolutely. Honor, Club, mean, Honor, uh, Club, Honor Club. And again, Honor Club was really, uh, again, I think that was a, a casual, a bit of a casualty from 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 COVID because one of the perks of Honor Club is that every live show was streamed. So no matter where you were a fan, you got to see the live shows. So again, you were able to experience it as a fan if you're in the arena or not. But, you know, being said, we haven't been able to do that. So, but the archive, the material that in the archive um, is just so rich and so robust and so complete that, and all the shows are available there as well. So you can do it through Honor Club. You could do it through, you know, with Honor Club, you can choose a lot more of what you want to see historically or archivally. With Best of the Planet, it's curated. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled about the Pure Tournament. I think when someone writes the Ring of Honor history, um, the Pure Tournament will be a transformational moment in the way we presented TV. So I think it's worth seeing from not only a, an enjoyment perspective, if you haven't seen this tournament and the way it was presented, 
but also how it really transitioned the way we are seeing ourselves as a TV company. Right, to your point, uh, there's Best on the Planet, which is 24-7 streaming. There's Honor Club, which of course our fans are familiar with, but yes, the great archive is there. Uh, when we start doing live events again, they're all on there. You can watch them live. And we have you know, some great content uh, on, on YouTube, original content as well as archival stuff. So there's really very, there's a lot of platforms that you can, you can uh, consume uh, the Ring of Honor content, whether it's, as we said, whether it's current or whether it's uh, some, some great moments from our, our past. I want to touch on a couple other uh, subjects, as I mentioned. Uh, one of them, it's sort of in vogue, I guess, nowadays, where we're, we're seeing wrestling companies work with each other. Uh, we're seeing some cross-promotion. Uh, those are the kinds of things Ring of Honor has done in the past. Uh, are there any plans or do you have any specific feelings about Ring of Honor working with other promotions? Is it something that you think we will see? Or uh, are we going to kind of be the one who just concentrates on ourselves? No, I don't think I could answer that either way. I mean, we've always been that promotion. I mean, we've had relationships with major promotions. You know, we're not touring. So, and, and, and there are still travel restrictions from, for a lot of places for people to come and go. So it's been a little bit, uh, we had to put that on hiatus. Yeah. But I'm never against work. We worked with the NWA. We worked with New Japan. We worked with um, CMLL. I mean, we, we've had good working relationships with people. It has to make sense, but without without live shows, it's just a little bit more challenging. So I would never rule it out. Ring of Honor has always been open to sharing that if it made sense for the company. Right. Also, we're you know we worked with Rev Pro. Uh, yeah, exactly. At our international pro. I mean, you know, those things came to a screeching halt. Yep. Um, you know, England, Europe is still no better. Uh, I mean, I, I it was getting better, but now, you know, the headlines are not good and. Uh, you know, we have to deal with that. And that, that's a reality. I mean, I, I, I hope that the guys in, in England can start working, but I don't even think they're wrestling there yet either. And I know in most places that there's very limited wrestling uh, as far as crowds and, and shows like that. So we have to get through all that, Kevin. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's the thing I think we all are crossing our fingers on is that yeah. as 2021 progresses, that our great international talents can... Uh, come back and be part of the, well, they're still part of the family, but they can come back and be an active part of the family and get back in the ring. That's, uh, that's what we're all hoping for. Yeah. I think, I think the work that our international stars have done as you, you know, with, with social media and other byproducts of them physically being here, it's really, I mean, Joe Henry's breakdowns of wrestling. It's a terrific, if you're a student of wrestling, I mean, you should be watching that and taking oh, notes. I mean, this is, this is like a masterclass. And what other promotion is putting stuff out that, like that and has the confidence to do that? That's Ring of Honor because it's honorable and, it's, and, and, and it makes sense. So I, I commend all of, my, all of my talent that, I mean, the, the bouncers. I mean, they were doing their, those webcasts and, and terrific stuff. Now, obviously, they're not together as, as much as they used to be. But I will tell you something. I look forward to those through COVID. They were entertaining. They were fun. They were good. They were informative. The guys were well-prepared. That's the way you stay in touch. And uh, I think that's what we have to do, regardless of whether we're live or not, or back in the old, we need to stay relevant. We need to stay in touch. We need to stay in care. Yes, Joe Hendry does uh, Technique Tuesdays uh, yeah. every week on YouTube, where, yeah, he really does break it down, yeah. uh, what goes on in the ring, what you see. Um, Joe was doing, you know, he's done so many things. Uh, 
you know, when we were, we initially started doing some blogs and Joe did a blog for us on ROHwrestling.com. Joe had his uh, competition at one point, uh, TV show or YouTube show, I should say, where he was, you know, challenging the, the bouncers in the beer drinking contest and, and things like that. But yeah, you mentioned too, the bouncers doing their show. Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle did Dalton a terrific show. Absolutely. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This is that stepping up I'm talking about. It's good. Well, one last thing I want to ask you about is a Hall of Fame. I know this is something that's come up uh, every now and then, but when you look at the talent that's come through Ring of Honor and the talent that's still here, um, we're almost 20 years in. As, you, as we just said, we celebrated our 19th anniversary. I think there's certainly um, plenty of candidates. If we were to start a Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, is that something that you think uh, could possibly be in the future. Absolutely. We talk about it. It's not a new thought. Um, it's a matter of how, who, when, but most importantly, why. And I think we're getting that part answered. Um, I like, I like the thought of 20, 20 is a good number. Maybe that's a, maybe that's the place to begin. Uh, I, I definitely think we, we should have that. And, uh, and be proud of that. Uh, I would tell you that I would have to defer to other people other than myself because I'm only familiar with the talent that I've worked with. Um, like I said, I was not a, a regular Ring of Honor watcher because I was not that technically savvy. Um, and I don't ever remember seeing it on HDTV. I'm not even sure I got HDTV. So there are wrestlers that that were in Ring of Honor at the time that I know had some historical perspective, but I never really saw their work until I saw it in the archive material. So I think one of the important things in that, you know, uh, Hall of Fame is who we bring is in our first nominating group, not only the people who are nominated, but those who are nominating. I think that's equally as important as to who gets nominated. So um, we'll take care with that. But like everything we do, we, we, we put a lot of thought behind it. And however it will be presented, when it will be presented, um, will be fabulous. Well, let me actually, I do want to ask you one more thing. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but uh, just for people who may not know, um, obviously you're very involved on the business side of Ring of Honor. But from a creative side, um, how much do you participate as far as suggesting things or you know, really just getting involved in that process? I don't dictate policy. I think the creative knows where I stand on certain things and how I feel about certain things, but it's not my, it's not my skill set. Uh, I'm a fan. And as a fan, you have a tendency, and I could tell you stories about that maybe at another time about my fandom and some things that I thought about and how they were reacted to. Um, it would be like anyone making a comment to someone in the business going, are you kidding? That's, a, you know, um, I leave that to the professionals. Um, the product's been good. The product's been solid. Um, I have no reason to question it. Um, it speaks for itself. But I, I, I know everything that's going on in the company. I don't want anyone to think that, you know, no one's talking to me. I just let my managers manage. And I just provide that place where they can excel in their own specialties. Again, very collaborative. We talk every week. Um, everyone kind of knows what everyone else is doing. And uh, people are able to input and output. 
And that's really what I like. But as far as me deciding who's going to be the champion, I never have done it. I probably would never be right. Um, so I stay out of it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, Joe, before we wrap up, is there any, um, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I think our fans have uh, learned a lot listening to you today. Is there any final uh, words, anything you want to say directly to the fans before we uh, conclude? Listen, if you're listening, I thank you. If you have a friend who would like to understand what Ring of Honor is, then share this with them. But, you know, without the fans and without our talent and without our staff, we would, be a, we would not be the community that we are. So I'm forever grateful for anyone who came to a Ring of Honor event, who is planning to come to a Ring of Honor event, who has come up to me personally and thanked me and said hello. You guys matter. Fans matter. And they matter to me a lot. So I thank you for listening. And I hope that you found it interesting. I, I can't even believe that so much time has passed. Um, it was really, to me, a, a, a really nice time that we spent, Kevin. So thank you. But just keep believing and keep following and uh, let us know how we're doing. Well, Joe, let me thank you personally, uh, first of all, for being on the show with us today and being so, um, as I said, generous with your time. But I also want to thank you personally for the opportunities that, that you've given me uh, just to be a small part of this company. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I've worked for bigger uh, companies in a sense, um, but I've never been happier working. No, thank you, Kevin. That, see, that's what I'm talking about. That makes that, that to me is so satisfying. And, and, you know, that makes me happy because everyone's happiness is, is paramount. And if people are doing their work and they're doing it happily, it's not work. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Well, my pleasure. And again, thank you for joining us. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. And remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.